Hey guys, Bill here. Me and Lindsey Jones are going to be redrafting the first half of the 2019 NFL Draft in a minute. But first, just wanted to remind you, if you are not already aware, to tune into The Last Dance, a behind-the-scenes look at the 1990 Chicago Bulls dynasty. Yes, it's been moved up. The series begins this Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. And you can listen to the wrap-up podcast hosted by Jalen and Jacoby immediately following the broadcast, presented by State Farm and AT&T, and it's available wherever you enjoy your podcast. Check out The Last Dance and check out The Bill Barnwell Show in a moment. All right, joining me now, as promised, from The Athletic, is my friend Lindsay Jones. Lindsay, how are you? Um, surviving quarantine as, as well as we can, but <laughs> awesome. trapped at home as a three-year-old is uh, is an adventure. Well, NFL teams are going to be going undergoing an adventure soon. I know it seems like it shouldn't be harder to draft over a Zoom call than uh, teach children, but here's where we are. The NFL is struggling with the technology they have to deal with in advance of the 2020 draft. So to give them a little bit of help, I thought it made sense for you and I to go back and redraft just the first half of the first round of the 2019 draft to prove that you can still do it without having thousands of people in a room or underneath the Bellagio fountains. Yeah, I think, I think we can handle it. I mean, we're on the phone, we've got our computer. I think, I think these guys are going to be okay. And they're, all of these concerns, except for a little bit with the IT technical um, yes. security issues. But otherwise, I think they're going to be fine. I mean, I think at least 30 general managers are going to be fine. There's a couple teams I'm a little concerned about, but I think the majority of them will be fine. I think it'll be mostly fine, except there'll be one team, not even like the Giants, because the Giants are the easy team to pick on, but there'll be one team that just like their internet connection will stall and they'll be stuck for well, like 25 minutes. Well, here, so I'll, I'll give an example. My prediction of a team that something is going to happen is the Broncos because mm-hmm. we got John Elway on a conference call um, kind of wrapping up free agency uh, a week or two ago, and it's like he was calling from Mars. Oh, no. He had almost no reception. You couldn't hear anything. Um, Broncos PR was fantastic and went back and, like, re-asked him the questions, but it was it was a little rough. So given given that, the issues he had with – you know, his cell phone reception at his home and their history with issues with the fax machine. Oh, they, uh, they're my, they're my pick to struggle with technology. I forgot about the, um, <laughs> the fax machine situation. Oh man. Or Elvis Doomerville. Um, fortunately I don't think there'll be any faxes involved with the draft. So that should help. But you know, I think they're my wild card team for a, for, for a club that might have some issues with technology. I like that. I'm excited. I'm I'm more excited for this draft than any draft in recent memory. But like I said, today we are going to go back to 2019 for the first half of the first round, and we are going to redraft the first 16 picks of that round to see what's changed over the course of the year. Last year we all felt really confident that the guys taken at the top of the draft were the best players. Now, not so much. I have some players from later rounds popping into the top 16 here. There are some players who could be, you know, go from being sixth or seventh round picks to possibly being first rounders. All we will get to all wow. of that here in this first 16 player discussion. So, Lindsay, you are the guest. Let's start with you. Let's start with the first overall pick. Who do you have going to the Arizona Cardinals with the first pick? Well, I think this one's going to start off kind of boring because I think they made the right pick. I think even with hindsight, Kyler Murray 
mm-hmm. was the pick then, and it, he should still be the pick now um, for everything that they were doing philosophically with the coaching staff that they have in place. Um, I think it was the right move, and if they were doing it again today, I think he would still be their guy. I mean, I guess the one, you know, sliding doors type of universe thing is if they decided that they could work with Josh Rosen and then they dropped Nick Bosa. But mm. I, I, I think it's Kyler. I, I have a really hard time making an argument for anybody other than Kyler Murray. Yeah, I, I think it's Kyler or Bosa. And I think I'm happy picking Kyler here for the Cardinals. I, I find it interesting because, you know, it wasn't like he had a spectacular season, you know, but but the offense did work. It wasn't like it was a disaster by any means. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Do you think if you had to grade Kyler's first year? Did it exceed your expectations? Did it meet your expectations? Was it below your expectations? Where did it kind of fall? Yeah, I think it, I think it somewhat exceeded my expectations. I mean, I think my, my expectations for the Cardinals overall was pretty low just based mm-hmm. on the talent level across the roster. Um, a lot of the defensive deficiencies they had, um, I had a lot of questions about their offensive line. Um, but I think it worked, it worked well, you know, and I think that they're going to try a lot of things there in Arizona that might take a little bit of time to work in the NFL, but I'm excited that they're doing it. I'm excited that there's some new innovation um, that we're, you know, that there's a college or an NFL coach who has such a heavy college background and who is trying things and doing things that most NFL teams are not. So he's the right guy for that coach with Cliff Kingsbury. Um, And I'm just, it's been really exciting to watch this off season of them continuing. You know, I, I guess my, my, my thing is that I, I always just want to see a coach, a general manager, an organizational philosophy completely in line with who their quarterback is and yeah. who you're going to be. We very clearly know who the Arizona Cardinals are and what their offensive identity is. And, you know, for me, that means it's working. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. Um, and, I, and I do think that we're going to see a lot this year from Kyler Murray. I think if, if he has, you know, kind of an okay year in year two, I think you might be a little concerned after – they did add DeAndre Hopkins the second year of the system. They have Kenyon Drake for a full year. Hopefully the offensive line isn't going to be uh, quite as bad as it was two years ago. And still a lot of struggles last year. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's he's well positioned to kind of take that leap in year two that you would hope for. Um, the second overall pick, I mean, is there any reason to say anybody but Nick Bosa? No, <laughs> there's not. I think for every other team on this list, I have like multiple options except mm-hmm. for the Niners. I just, I think it's so clear that Nick Bosa is, the right guy for them. And I mean, if you just go back and watch basically all of their postseason games, he was a monster. And, yeah. you know, it's crazy that I just, you know, back in August being worried about him because he, you know, he hurt his hamstring, I think it was the first day of training camp and missed a couple weeks and said, Oh, is this guy going to be injury prone? And then here he is like, you know, rising off the field, like the undertaker in a, in a playoff game. And, you know, just, I mean, he very. If the Niners had won the Super Bowl, you could have made an argument that he should have been the MVP of that game, um, kind of the MVP of that postseason for them. I mean, he's only going to get better. He's going to pass Joey Bosa pretty quickly, I think, as the um, the alpha wow. male in that family. Wow. Um, yeah, I, 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 he's so good. And the Niners, it's unbelievable to me that the Niners got him. I yeah. just, it's still pretty crazy that with the all the other high picks that they were able to have over the last couple of years, but. You know, they accidentally tanked in 2018 and were able to get Joey or get Nick Bosa. Do you think that TJ Watt has passed JJ Watt as the alpha male of the Watt family? Ooh, no, I don't think so. Really? Not yet. Give it, so give like, it a couple years, though. 
J.J. Watt was pretty good last year. <laughs> he was. You know. He was. He was very good last year. But, and know, JJ, JJ got hurt. Got a couple. Uh, he did. Um, JJ's got a couple defensive player of the year awards though. That That's I think. True. You know, he still has. Uh, he still has a, a ways to go. But um, man, the Bosa family versus the Watt family would be a really fun reality show that we should have this summer when there's no sports. <laughs> That's a really yes, good Ken, idea. are you listening? <laughs> I hope so. I really hope so. Okay, so let, the first two picks, I think, are pretty obvious. And, you know, you could have gone both with the first overall pick. I, I wouldn't have blamed you. I think Murray is the guy for me. It seems to be the guy for you. But it could have absolutely been, you know, Bosa first, and then maybe that changes things around. But here's where I think it gets interesting, because now we have the Jets with the third overall pick. They chose Quinn and Williams. Quinn and Williams had a pretty anonymous season. He's not even in the top 16 for me uh, when it came to um, this redraft. I think he's going to be a fine player. We just, he didn't show anything in year one on a team that didn't show anything really as a whole uh, for most of 2019. So who do you have the Jets taking with the third overall selection? So I'm going to have the Jets staying with defense but I'm having them go with uh, outside linebacker Josh Allen, okay, who I think I like was the best, the best rookie pass rusher outside of Nick Bosa last year. He was really, really effective for the Jags, and I think he could fit kind of any, any scheme, and I would love to see him there with, um, w- with the Jets, with some of those other defensive pieces that they have in place. And, you know, they really need that kind of like yes. closer. They need that kind of guy um, to be – Quinnen Williams was not that guy for them. So, you know, of the guys that was available, um, you know, I really like Josh Allen, and I think – you know, he was a high pick already. I mean, yeah. he went seventh last year. But I think if we were redoing this, that, you know, maybe some of the questions that teams had about him I think mm-hmm. were unfounded, you know, that he had some of those like, well, how much does he love football kind of questions. And I think it's clear that he won – loves football and two is a really, really, really good player and will probably be a good player for a long time. So that's where I'm going with the Jets at number three. So let me ask you now the question that will reign for years to come in the NFL. If all 32 teams got to pick between Josh Allen, the quarterback and Josh Allen, the edge rusher, (laughs) how many are choosing the quarterback and how many are choosing the edge rusher? I mean, probably more of them are going to choose the quarterback because, Teams are just so enamored with quarterbacks, especially mm-hmm. big, tall, white quarterbacks with really strong arms. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I think probably teams, the way that they are constructed now and the decision makers that are in place would probably still go quarterback. But, um, you know, maybe like 20 and 12, yeah, 20 for the quarterback, 12 for the pass rusher. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. And, I mean, you know, Josh Allen, the quarterback, had a good year. So yeah. hardly out of the question. This could be a real dynasty for two players with the same name. I think we're going back to the Alex Smith, who was the tight end with the Bucks, um, as far as high-profile quarterback and high-profile player at the other position with the same name. So an exciting yeah, time when we had the, with Josh Allen. Here in, well, here in Denver, we had the two Brandon Marshalls. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Which was very confusing for a while, even though they never played in Denver at the same time. But... It was no. pretty confusing and, and still is confusing for mm-hmm. largely for the linebacker, Brandon Marshall. He's the one who gets more of the, the messages that are intended for the receiver. But, um, but yeah, that's, fair. that's funny. Um, so here, my third pick for the jets, I'm going out of the first round. Ooh, I am already going out of the first round. I am giving them AJ Brown. And Ooh. I think the reason why okay. you go with AJ Brown is because 
he looked awesome last year. He was phenomenal. And, you know, it might not be sustainable. It might just be that Ryan Tannehill had the year of his life and AJ Brown was on the other end of those passes, but he looks like a, a man among boys. Like he looked like he was just one of the most impressive players in the league with the ball in his hands last year, you know, catching balls 25 yards downfield. He was a force of nature during the second half of the season and the jets, I mean, yes, they, I agree they need a pass rusher for sure. And they tried to sign Anthony Barr to be that guy, and it, they, they did, and then they yeah. didn't happen a day <laughs> later. Um, but this is a team that repeatedly has struggled to find weapons for Sam Darnold. I mean, Jamison Crowder was fine, but Quincy Inouye got hurt, um, has been hurt two of the last three years. They lost Robbie Anderson this year, and we don't know they're going to lose Robbie Anderson, but I think this is a team that even last year, even after free agency was done, and even after the draft was done, kind of felt like, oh, they need to add more for Sam Darnold. Le'Veon Bell is not enough. This offensive line is still a mess. Um, the receiving core is still mediocre. I mean, when you're counting on, like, you know, Chris Herndon to be a, a impact tight end, like, he might be, turn out to be that guy, but we just don't know. So I think if you know you're going to get that A.J. Brown from 2019, I think the Jets have to take him because I think you have to get that weapon in place for Sam Darnold just to not only improve Sam Darnold, but also just to evaluate him, just to get a sense of whether he's going to be your guy for the future. Yeah, I, I agree there. He was on my list as other options for the mm-hmm. Jets there. But, um, yeah, and then it was, you know, I'm not so sure about the receiver moves that they made in free agency. So, yeah, having, right. having a guy like A.J. Brown there would have been – uh, made it a lot easier, I think, to maybe let Robbie Anderson go, and then yeah. And there was trading for Robbie Anderson too. There... Yeah, yeah. He's now the number three. So yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I, we'll we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we will see. But it's uh, I think they need to add something for Sam Darnold because this is a make or break year for the Jets quarterback. Um, at four, I had Josh Allen going to the Raiders. I think it's the same sort of thing. The Raiders did get a big year out of Max Crosby on the edge. I drafted Clellan Farrell. Um, I, I just think Josh Allen is an explosive pass rusher to the point, you know, you said earlier, I mean, a guy who I think, you know, on, on a Jaguars team where it would have been easy not to care, where it would have been easy just to kind of be anonymous, he was an impact pass rusher. And I think that's a really yeah. good sign for his future. But who do you have going to the Raiders at four? So I actually had A.J. Brown. So we had oh, perfect. our Jets and our Raiders picks flipped. So I think knowing what we know now about how the 2019 season transpired, mm-hmm. they very much clearly needed a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back last April, they thought that they were going to have Antonio Brown. Clearly that didn't happen. Um, no I think they would have been much better suited to have AJ Brown rather yes. than Antonio Brown. So um, that's, that's who I have them going. And we, we texted a little bit last night as we were trying to, you know, as we were going through our lists and mm-hmm. we, although we, we don't know each other's picks, but no, we don't. what I asked you, I did ask you, do other, do the rest of their picks still stand? So like mm-hmm. the picks they made in the later round. And I was thinking specifically about the Raiders and Max Crosby. Yeah. And like, if they could land Max Crosby later and get the production that they got out of him, then they wouldn't have needed to use their first of three first round picks on a pass rusher. So that's why I went um, offense and AJ Brown. Um, it was interesting. So our staff at the athletic did, mm-hmm. Um, a, a redraft of 2019 a month or two ago. And our beat writer, Vic Tafer, went with Josh Jacobs here at four, which I thought was a little interesting. Yeah, it was a little wild. Uh, yeah. To pick up. I mean, I, you know, I get the find it that he's such an important part of their offense and, you know, the best rookie running back of last year. But I mean, he better be Jim Brown at this point <laughs> to draft a running back at number four is kind of where I'm at now. 
Oh, yeah, it's a big ask of any running back to be worth the fourth overall pick. Um, I will say, I mean, I think, you know, there's a chance. I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a chance Max Crosby comes off the board in the top 16. Uh, somebody else. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alerts. Um, so, yeah, so we split A.J. Brown and Josh Allen there between three and four. I think that makes sense. I think A.J. Brown was the best receiver. Um, to me, I thought A.J. Brown should have been the offensive rookie of the year. Um, I'm not upset that he didn't win, but I think he – at the very least, should have been in that conversation. Um, let's go to five, Tampa Bay. I have them taking Devin White. I have them staying with the pick they made in the actual 2019 draft. I thought he had a great season. That was a much improved defense, kind of, you know, lost in the shuffle of Jameis Winston and the Jameis Winston saga when it came to, you know, giving the giving the other team a pick six to start the game every week. Uh, but I think he did a really good job, and I think someone who the Bucks can build around on that defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way there. Devin White was one of the kind of the, the easy redraft picks here to just stay with the guy that they had. You know, I think you know, this time last year, there was also a lot of talk and speculation that they might go past rusher there mm-hmm. um, and debating whether or not they'd you know, want to take Josh Allen, for example, somebody like that. But ultimately, knowing what we know now, Jack Barrett ended up being just fine. <laughs> Yeah. More than fine there. So, you know, drafting a linebacker, Devin White, was, was the right call. And um, and I think it's still the right call. I mean, I think the only other, you know, possibilities is if they maybe would have gone offensive line. Mm. They could have maybe gone offensive line there. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, but I, I think Devin White is the right call. And they, you know, I think Jason Light would turn that card in in five seconds or yeah. make that call or <laughs> zoom it in, whatever it is that we're going to do. And, and in a matter of seconds this year, if, if they had the chance to redo it. Yeah. I wonder, is it going to be just like, 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 is there going to be like some kind of protocol for getting the pick in? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, a couple different ways that they can do it. They're all going to be directly connected to like the, the league office main computer for getting the call in, but they all also have like the cell phone to call directly to, um, there's one person at the league office, it was Pete Fiore, I believe is his name, mm-hmm. um, that if all else fails, if like the, the the Zoom or the Microsoft Teams or whatever it is that they're using somehow fails, that they can call directly to this guy and get their pick made. <laughs> so, Which is how so we can assume that the general manager of the next team on our list is going to be doing it. He's going to be calling hard line to hard line. Did you see the so photo the of him? Child. Did with one, one little computer, yeah, and like and a giant just, stack of papers. And, it's, and did you see the binder he had? He had the biggest binder yeah. I've ever seen. Like, you know, like, like you know, like like when you would go to, like, high school and your teachers would be like, oh, like you have to get this size binder. You'd be like, I'm never going to need a binder that big. This was three times as big as that binder. It was insane, the size of the binder. Yeah, it was, it was like three... Uh, phone books worth. <laughs> if any of our listeners remember what a phone book looks like, yes. but yeah, I mean, it was it was massive. So how does what is he going to do? I'm sorry, we're totally going off topic here, but so it's draft night. There's like four minutes left on the clock, and so you know, one of the scouts is running a name by him, and he's like flipping through pages, licking his fingers, you know, yes. trying to dig back all the way to the W's or whatever to try to find a hundred percent. That is exactly what is going to happen. I, I I don't see where that would be surprising in the slightest. Honestly, um, I'm I'm happy he has a binder. I'm happy it's not just like a, a big filing cabinet of stuff. Um, it, it's pretty remarkable uh, that we're yeah, here in 2019. If the Giants have any sense of humor, they're social media people. They have like a live cam on yeah. them. Like that's all I want. Yes, Next they really Thursday should. Is a live cam on Dave Gettleman. Well, 
we should get to the Giants pick, which is going to be Daniel Jones, <laughs> the same pick for me that they right, made same. in 2019. And I'm like, you know, I, I think he's he's not. I'm not. I'm still not thrilled about his pro potential. I still think he struggled in a lot of ways in 2019. But man, the Giants need a quarterback, and I think he's the best one available uh, in this draft class at this point. Yeah, and I actually like him better at six now than I did a year ago. Um, I think the redraft, or if we're you know getting to change anything about what happened in the 2019 offseason, is that I would have changed what they did with Eli and how they handled Eli and not who the actual draft pick was. Um, that makes sense. I can see that. So that's, that's, that would be my redo there. But I still think it's Daniel Jones. You know, I think you could – you know, you could maybe try to go through scenarios of, okay, well, they really needed a quarterback. So, you know, do you take Gardner Minshew? I mean, I guess he was the second best rookie quarterback mm. last, is that other than Kyler Murray. But I just still think that that's maybe a reach. <laughs> Probably yeah. actually definitely a reach. Um, <laughs> you know, and they also have, you know, obviously so many holes and so many issues and so many questions that's why they're drafting as high as they are this year so you could make an argument that they should have just taken the best available player right then you know they could have had i don't know you know who else is on the board now but at oliver you know all of these guys but i still think they are who the giants are what they need daniel jones is still the right guy there um and maybe in this sort of redraft knowing what we know now they wouldn't have gotten his pan for it immediately yeah, that's true. Um, I think that's fair. And, you know, they could have traded down. I think that's that would have been the fair thing, but this is a team that has not traded down somehow in 14 years. So, you know, maybe they'll do, do they it this year. Do they know that's allowed? I, honestly, do the one year where trades are hard. They're yeah, <laughs> they're going to start calling people, you know, and they're, they're going to get some, like, low-level scout in another organization to approve a trade and then uh, run out of time on the clock and miss their pick. That's That's what the Giants would do in this situation. Um, okay, I will say from this point forward, wait, I have. Wait, oh, hold on, Bill. Hmm. We didn't bring up Abby, Joe Judge's dog, who potentially oh, right. making the pick. This is my favorite story to come out this week about draft prep: is that Joe Judge's dog is the only one who knows what's happening with the with the Giants' draft plans because she like sits with his, her head on his lap for fifteen hours a day. So, if there's any team who's going to have a dog make a pick, and maybe should. Yeah. Let the dog make the pick. It's the Giants. Yeah. Again, Giants social media. You should have a at least one shot of Abby the dog. Uh, or like a GoPro on Abby the yeah. Abby the dog. I, I want to see Abby watching film. I want to see her with like one of those clickers <laughs> in her paws, like you know, going through the film. That's exactly what I want to see. Uh, Maybe like the if they're content. torn between two guys, like draft pick A and B, they can you know give her two bowls of food and whichever yes. one she goes to. Yes, we are exactly. so full of ideas today, Bill. I mean, <laughs> we we are going from being football writers to being social uh, social content creators for the New York Giants, which you know is is uh, an interesting path for us to take. But um, yeah, so I will say from this point forward, I have no more picks that were made by the original team. Everyone from this point forward is a new selection, which I think is better. I mean, I think these picks were fair. Yeah. But from this point forward, so number seven with the Jaguars, a team that has a lot of needs, uh, you know, to your point, who do you have them taking with the seventh selection? So I'm going to have them take Ed Oliver. Okay. Like defensive that. tackle who, you they know, he fell. Linemen. Yeah, they do love defensive linemen. Um, obviously, Josh Allen, who they took last. I, I think if they had a chance to take Josh Allen again, they would have taken Josh Allen again. Um but, uh, you know, we, the, the board is the way it is. I have them taking Ed Oliver, who I think was really underrated as a rookie in Buffalo. 
um, you know, didn't just probably because of the position that he plays and the exposure that Buffalo gets sometimes. I think, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't get enough, enough attention, but I think he's going to end up being kind of the defensive line star out of this draft class. Um, so I'm, I'm going to have them going at Oliver. I did think about Minshew. <laughs> I did think about it, but I'm not having them take Gardner Minshew in the, in the first round. I think, you know, they probably could still get him a little bit later. Yeah, I think a two or a three is probably where Gardner Minshew lay after the first year. Uh, that thing makes a lot of sense. I mean, at Oliver, I think it's a guy, like you said, who, you know, really only played about half the snaps in Buffalo, but that wasn't because he wasn't playing well. It's just because they rotated their guys in and out. And, I mean, he was, you know, from the first week on an impact player on on one of the, the league's best defenses. And I think, you know, maybe it's a little unfair to judge him by the Nick Bosa standard where it was like, you know, defensive player of the year candidate. But I think a guy who, you know, looks every bit to be, you know, in, in sort of one of the higher percentiles of, of what you might have expected coming out of school. I must say a, you know, a devastating interior disruptor. Um, I went with Devin Bush, um, of the, okay. uh, who ended up going to the Steelers, who I think looked really good. Kind of struggled a little bit towards the end of the year, you know, sort of in the second half. They gave him a, a fewer snaps on third down. But I think a guy who, you know, great instincts, a guy who by all accounts looks to be the next great Steelers linebacker, um, you know, an absolute playmaker in the first few weeks of the year, a guy who was, you know, recording just interceptions every week, it seemed like. Uh, I think a player who, you know, the Jags did, um, they signed Joe Schobert. I think if I could, yeah. you know, erase that move and – have them draft Devin Bush. I think that's probably a better fit for them. Um, but I see your point about adding another defensive lineman. I mean, they do need a defensive tackle after the moves they've made this offseason. So, um, you know, you can see it going in a bunch of different ways. But uh, I think that makes sense. I think adding a defensive piece to that core because Garely, even though they were one of the best defenses in football and came within a quarter of, you know, dragging Blake Bortles to the Super Bowl, uh, you know, in Foxborough, um, that defense is mostly gone. And if Yannick Ngakwe gets traded, it's going to be even further away from the defense yeah. we saw a couple of years ago. So kind of scary. You know, imagine like the Niners having, you know, one of the league's worst defenses two years from now and having, you know, seven of the 11 players on that defense gone. That, that's that's what happened with Jacksonville. And yet all the people there who, well, not all the people, but a lot of the people who built that defense that almost got them to the Super Bowl are still in charge. Yes. All the people who took all the first round picks that did not work out super well, besides Jalen Ramsey, who forced his way out of town, you know, your Leonard Fournette's and your Blake Bortles's and your Dante Fowler's, those, you know, those people are still there. And hey, it's, it's nice. Sure, work run it together. back. Do it again. Yeah. Like we had right? fun that one year. So let's, let's take four more years to try and get back to that Ooh. point. So we'll see. I don't know, but, uh, uh, it's nice work if you can get it for sure. Um, so the bills. Bills picking with the ninth we selection. We forgot the Lions. We got oh, I did forget the Lions. the Lions. I'm sorry. <laughs> Poor, sorry, Lions I mean, fans. I'm going to get yelled at for that typical. one. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I don't want to forget the Lions. I think they're going to be better this year. But who do you have the Lions taking eighth? So um, I have the Lions uh, going out of the first round from last year and taking Chase Winovich. Oh. Who ended up with the Patriots yeah. because we all know – Matt Patricia loves nothing more than Patriots guys, guys that fit the Patriots culture. And uh, so why not get a guy that the Patriots wanted? And he's also a Michigan guy. I think he, you know, fits what they need. You know, just they, they clearly need a lot of defensive help, even though they did pay Trey Flowers last year. 
So, uh, you know, I'm having Kim get, I'm having them take the most Patriots guy on the board just a, a year early because, you know, let's be honest, if Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn get their careers extended there, they get their, uh, you know, get another contract and don't get fired after this year, you know, Chase Winovich is going to end up as a lion at some point. So <laughs> I'm just having them do it right now in our redraft of 2019. Yeah, I just I just picture they have like, you know, the Patriots roster on a whiteboard and just when they come free and just who they're gonna target. It's it's sort of staggering at this point. Like just the idea that they're running, you know, kind of the Patriots plan B. Like, uh, you know, if Bill Belichick doesn't want him, but he's still good enough to play, yeah, we want that guy. He's good. But I also um, think, you know, I mm-hmm. to be fair, I also think he's a really good player and he had some injury oh. questions coming into the draft. Um and I, do, you know, he's he's really likable, and God knows the Lions need some really likable players. So, yes. you know, I think you know, I think it would I think it fits football wise, and you know what the Lions need to keep a really popular local guy um, home mm. as well. That makes sense. I went with Ed Oliver here. Um, I, I to the point for for Vinovich. I with Oliver, I think just you want to add an impact piece on your defensive line. I mean, they just they're a mess. They need pieces everywhere on defense. So. I think just adding the best available defensive player, which to me at that point was Oliver, um, I thought made sense for what the Lions needed to do. But, I, you know, I think Winovich, I think any of the defensive pieces who are left, I think would be an upgrade for the Lions. They need literally uh, literally everything. I mean, maybe they don't need a cornerback at this point, but they just traded away their best cornerback, so it's probably a good sign. Actually, no, they do need a cornerback. What am I saying? They need everything. They need literally every position <laughs> on defense. Um, okay, Bills at nine. I don't mean to skip the Lions, but the Bills at nine. Who do you have uh, the Bills taking? So I'm going to have them taking wide receiver DK Metcalf. Okay. Um, who like was the, you know, I think they very clearly have been in the market for wide receivers, you know, dating back to when they had, you know, Antonio Brown for an hour in the 2019 offseason. You know, someday there'll be a 30 for 30 about that probably. By the way, um, with Antonio Brown, do you ever think about how much, like, you know, now that we were in quarantine, how much time outside of quarantine you wasted or I wasted last year writing and thinking about Antonio Brown going to, like, five different teams? For real, I know. Yeah. It's very painful. Um, So, yeah, but it's, like, very clearly they've been in the wide receiver market. And, you know, I think DK Metcalf, what he showed in his rookie year in Seattle was that he's not just a workout warrior, and that he's actually a really, really good football player. So um, I'm having him as the second receiver drafted after um, A.J. Brown, and I'm having him go to Buffalo. Yeah, I have the same logic, but I have the Niners, or the, or the Bills taking Terry McLaurin, where I feel like, okay, you know, yeah. D.K. Metcalf, I think, exceeded my expectations, exceeded a lot of people's expectations, and is a, you know, a physical force, but he was playing with Russell Wilson. And Terry McLaren was playing with Dwayne Haskins and Case Keenum. And no disrespect to those guys, but they're not Russell Wilson. <laughs> you know, I think he's an awesome they're receiver. They're not. They're not on the same level as maybe the second best quarterback in football. Uh, I, I, I think that, you know, McLaren on a different team would have been like national, uh, a, a national highlight from last season. He was an absolute freak and had honestly a lot of plays where he got open and, his quarterbacks could not get him the football for what would have been a long touchdown. Um, and, you know, I think he's going to keep struggling with that because I think that offense is still going to be a work in progress. But I think he is a guy who, you know, on the right team would be 
you know, being seen right now as a, a, a immediate superstar as opposed to kind of a guy who, you know, if you were stuck watching, watching Washington games last year, like he who happens to live in the DC area, uh, a guy who just flashed if you were playing fantasy football or, or daily fantasy football in the right matchups or if you were unfortunately watching the occasional Washington game here and there. But I think a guy who, you know, right, right offense would be a, an absolute superstar already. I like it. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that move. Same and, idea. Uh, yeah. And you'll probably see Terry McLaurin on my list. Yes. Fairly shortly. That. Yes. So we have the Denver Broncos here at 10 because the Steelers in this scenario do not trade up. So Devin Bush is off the board. The Steelers don't get their guy. They stay put. So we have, oh, sorry, who is it at 10? It, it is the Broncos. It is the Broncos. Okay, right. Yes. Yes, okay. it is the Broncos. Like last year, they traded back. The Steelers went up, took Devin yeah. Bush there. The Broncos okay, traded back, took Noah Fant. Yes, I got confused. A I few picks. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're fine. We're, we're on track here. So okay. do you want to go first with the Broncos? Sure. Okay. So I have them taking, and this might be a controversial pick, I have them taking Dwayne Haskins. And this Ooh. is in part, this is in part because, and, and I want you to maybe answer this question because you live in the Denver area. You covered the Broncos for a long time. You are on the pulse of what the fans are thinking in Denver. Why are we sure Drew Locke is good? Like, like <laughs> five games of Drew Locke against pretty bad competition was enough for us to think he is the guy we're going to build around for sure. Like, is that, it, it, see, not to pick a pun, but a lock to be a great quarterback after five games? He's not, but he's by far closer than any of the other options that they've had since 2015 um, mm-hmm. to being that guy. You know, I think there's um, – they really like everything that he brings. Like, I think they like the complete package that he mm-hmm. brings in terms of how his teammates respond to him, the way that he works, um, what they saw from how he kind of attacked his – rehab when he had his um, wrist injury that kind of sidelined him for half of his year. You know, I think they were way too conservative with him last year mm-hmm. um, in terms of, you know, they probably could have brought him back a little bit earlier and they didn't. They ended up playing a couple games with Brandon Allen, which yeah. I still can't believe that was a thing that happened last year. Um, but, uh, you know, I, you know, Haskins, you know, they, they looked at Haskins last year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they brought him in. They could have drafted him last year. You know, I think they yeah. could have uh, you know, they they definitely could have had him last year, and they did not. I don't think – I think Drew Locke was higher. I don't know this. Sure. Mm-hmm. No, I'm trying to remember. But I don't think they had Haskins higher on their board last year than they had Drew Locke. Um, I do remember my favorite thing about that last year was that Haskins, when he did his top 30 visit, um, he came to Denver wearing a John Elway jersey. That mm-hmm. was, like, what his, his choice of attire that he wore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't – no, I was like flattered by that enough or <laughs> that was odd, um, odd or not. So, you know, but I, I like the idea of them taking Haskins. You know, I think that they will take, if we're redrafting, I think that they take a quarterback in the first round, but I think they take Julak based on remember, who they are. Right. Oh, just, you know, I was going to say based on who they are, who is still running that team, what they're looking for out of their quarterback. I think that they don't wait to take Drew Locke, they just take him there at 10 mm-hmm. and make him their guy right away, even though they had already traded for yes. Joe Flacco, that, which is another thing that, that happened. Yes, that, that seems bizarre to me, that Joe Flacco was in a Broncos uniform last year. Um, two things I will say. Number one, do you remember when, Nick, no, when Joey Bosa went to the Browns 
for his pre-draft meeting and he was in sweatpants and the Browns were offended by him wearing sweatpants to his pre-draft meeting. <laughs> and really all he was is just well ahead of his time. Yes, exactly. Now like, we're all wearing sweatpants to our yeah. pre-draft meetings. I feel like if that happened now, we would be like, oh, a man, a man of the people. We love him. Not like, you know, but years ago it was like, oh, he offended the Browns by wearing sweatpants. Like, of course, because he had a promise from the Chargers and didn't care because the Browns were never going to get to take him. But we didn't know that at the time. Number two, to your point, and I know I have to say this, Dwayne Haskins, six foot three, Drew Locke, six foot four. True. That it's, maybe... it's true. I mean, every inch counts if, when yeah. it comes to Denver Broncos quarterbacks. It's, it's really, it really is true. Okay. Um, so 11 here. <laughs> sorry. I just, I just have to circle back to the Joey Bosa and sweatpants. Yes, and please. this is why the Browns are the Browns, that they faulted a guy for wearing sweatpants. And Bill Belichick and the Patriots are the Patriots because they drafted Rob Gronkowski even after he decided to take a nap in the middle of his pre-draft of it. If a player, if a guy is really good, you take him regardless of what he wore or whatever kind of quirky behavior he had in his pre-draft visit. Yes. Cleveland, I mean, are you listening? Probably not, to be honest with you at this point. Um, well, I mean, and those guys are long gone. That was like three yeah. regimes ago. Yes, that was, yeah, that's, to be fair, that was many, many years ago at this point. Um, so the Cincinnati Bengals cannot do worse than what they actually did. We don't know what Jordan <laughs> Williams is going to be as a prospect, but he missed the entire season with an injury. So anyone they pick who actually plays is a plus. Who do you think the Bengals would take at 11? So I'm going to have them take, and I always mispronounce his name. Will you help me? Elton Jenkins. Elton Jenkins. Okay, we're, very, again, on the same page, but I think you got it right. I think Elton Jenkins is the appropriate one. Okay, I, and I always mispronounce his name, and I feel really bad about it because the ELG at the beginning just throws me off. But yeah. I think that they knew that they needed offensive line. Yes. And I don't think they were wrong to draft offensive line. And I think Jenkins was the best rookie offensive lineman. Um, so I, I have them going there, although I was debating going there or going uh, defense and taking Juan Thornhill, the safety, mm-hmm. who ended up with the Chiefs. Because yeah, clearly the way that they've attacked, you know, until he got hurt at the end, which it's amazing that they were able, their defense was kind of able to recover. And yeah be actually pretty decent and good in the Super Bowl without a guy who had ended up being, you know, Juan Thornhill ended up being a really important part, you know, of yeah. their secondary, especially as they made that push in December. Um, so I was going back and forth. Ultimately, I, you know, I have the Bengals being kind of boring Bengals and taking Jenkins, but I think okay. in a redraft situation, they'd look really hard at some of these defensive backs. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I have them taking an offensive lineman too. And I just think, for me, the best offensive lineman out of the rookie class, and this is, you know, splitting hairs. I don't think it's it's clearly one or the other, but I, I have them taking Eric McCoy, the Saints center, who had a great year. And, I mean, Billy Price, yeah. they drafted him the first round a couple of years ago. It's not panned out. Um, McCoy, I think, could have played guard if Price had been. I think they would have moved Price as opposed to moving McCoy. But they need offensive linemen pretty much everywhere. And McCoy had a great year for the Saints, a guy who stepped in from week one, was an immediate starter, you know, held off Nick Easton, who they signed originally, to take over for Max Unger, who had retired. And, I mean, it just looked like he was a five-year veteran from from week one on. Had to deal with, you know, Drew Brees getting hurt, so we had two different quarterbacks in there. Um, anything you could have asked for, I think he held up against and had a great season. So, same idea. I just think different offensive linemen, yeah. but Jenkins makes total sense, too. Um, I, I mentioned our um, the Athletics redraft earlier yes. when I kind of panned Vic's pick. So our beat writer, Jay Morrison in, in Cincinnati in the redraft, he had the Bengals still taking Jonah Williams. Okay. And his argument was that 
um, how bad they were and, you know, kind of this like accidental tanking was mm -hmm. worth it to end up with the number one overall pick this year. So that if they were redoing it, it would say just still be bad. Take the guy who isn't going to play and end up with the number one overall pick for 2020. That's a really good idea. I can't believe it. I'm like, I'm, I'm upset I didn't think of that. That's all. That's perfect. <laughs> So that was that was Jay's uh, ingenious idea there, and you know it's it's hard to argue with that logic, right? That's really fair. It is hard to argue with that logic. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. Uh, the Packers in at twelve, a team that did make the playoffs. Pretty happy, you would figure, with the guys they take. Well, I think one of the other selections are going to show up for me a little later on, but uh, I have them taking Noah Fan, the Broncos' tight end, because I look at they needed receivers for Aaron Rodgers last year after Devontae Adams. Um, they, you know, went with different guys. Uh, Alan Lazard stepped in from out of nowhere and played a meaningful role. But Jimmy Graham was a mess. Jimmy Graham was not his old self. He was not even the guy he was in Seattle. He was an anonymous player making a lot of money. And I think given how desperate teams are for tight end help, given that we've seen, you know, that market really, uh, you know, teams are just absolutely like Jimmy Graham got a ton of money this year and Jimmy Graham was useless. Last year or the past couple of years. Like, how did the Bears watch his Green Bay tape and say, yeah, that's the guy we want to give a two-year contract with a lot of guaranteed money to? Yeah, with a no-trade clause. That's that's the craziest part of it to me is the no-trade clause. Um, and, you know, there's no really impressive tight ends in this year's draft. So, you know, uh, I think the Packers would consider, hey, let's get Noah Fant. Let's get Aaron Rodgers that weapon, even if it is – going to be, you know, two tight end sets with, with Graham and Fan. I think that's fine. And I think Fan's going to be the guy who we build around in the future when it comes to that tight end group. And I think, you know, we saw, you know, off and on, he had some injuries, but I thought Noah Fant, you know, flashed some pretty impressive plays for, for the Broncos this year. Yeah, for sure. He got better as his, as his rookie year went on. He had a little bit of some rough stretches with some drops early in the year, but yeah, I mean, he's now very much part of this young offensive core that the Broncos have. So mm -hmm. the way my board has fallen, though, um, I'm going with Terry McLaurin there. And when you said that if, you know, if he was in an offense with mm -hmm. a good quarterback, uh, he would be like a ridiculous star. Um, so, yeah, Terry McLaurin to the Packers in, in this redraft. And, man, that would be fun. That would be much more fun than watching him with yeah. Dwayne Haskins and Case Keenum. Yeah, that's very fair. Um so the Dolphins are a third team, maybe another team that might qualify for the tank uh, philosophy as they did end up tanking uh, throughout pretty much the entire 2019 season until they accidentally got good uh, over the final month of the year. But needs pretty much everywhere. Who do you have the Dolphins taking at 13? Yes. I mean, I think they, you know, I think Christian Wilkins was fine for them there. Um, but in this redraft, I'm going to have them take Brian Burns, the pass yeah. rusher who ended up uh, in Carolina. Um, you know, I also looked at some defensive backs there, you know, Juan Thornhill again, Jamel Dean, um, but I'm going to have them taking Brian Burns is kind of the, uh, of the guys who are left on the board, the best pass rusher available. Yeah, I have them taking Max Crosby, where, you know, Max Crosby was a fourth round pick and maybe the numbers aren't going to hold up, but again, they need help everywhere. I think adding a pass rusher is a good place to start given the lack of quarterbacks uh, available at this point. I thought maybe one of the wide receivers, maybe a DK Metcalf or uh, a Debo Samuel or a Marquis Brown could make sense, but I thought adding, a, adding an edge rusher makes sense. They added a bunch of young guys this year to kind of hope one of them turns into a impactful pass rusher. And Max Crosby was an impactful pass rusher in year one. So uh, I think adding Crosby makes sense. I actually have the Falcons at 14 taking Brian Burns right after this. And I thought Brian Burns... Yeah. 
honestly, the first month of the year, he was as good as Nick Bosa. He was phenomenal the first month of the year, and he kind of slowed down after that as that Panthers defense really sort of got lost in the weeds and really struggled. Um, but I thought he was, you know, he was playing phenomenal football the first month of the year, and I think a guy who, you know, as we sort of look at this this 2020 Panthers team and kind of figure out, okay, who's going to take a step forward and who's going to, you know, impress, I think Brian Burns is one of the guys who, you know, if people are sleeping on him, he could be one of the better pass rushers in that conference this year. And uh, so conversely, now we move to the Falcons at 14, and I have Matt Cros- Max Crosby going there. There so, we go. I mean, clearly, there we go. Yeah, so, so yeah, I've got Max Crosby there. They very clearly need pass rushers in Atlanta, um, and they should have taken uh, they should have taken one last year. And, you know, you could make the argument that they that the thinking was right with their draft last year with going so offensive line heavy, and they just had some really bad, bad injury luck, and that, you know, Chris Lindstrom will be the, a, a great player there long term for them. But immediately, I think a pass rusher would have helped better. And, yeah, Max Crosby, that's, that's my guy for Atlanta instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about the, the rumors that the Falcons are considering trading up? I mean, I would 100% believe it because that's what Thomas Dimitrov does. Is he, mm-hmm. I mean, he's one of the most active uh, general managers in terms of trades and especially in trading up and, and aggressive trades up. You know, he's not just the guy who's going to, like, move up one or two spots. I mean, he will, if there's a guy that he really wants, he will aggressively do what it mm-hmm. takes to move high. So I'm not surprised at all that they're being very active and that they will be active. Um, so at this point, I'd be surprised if they don't, if they stay put where they're at. Mm. Yeah, but I just, you know, that team is not one player away, I feel like. I think they need a lot of help. They need no. depth. I mean, they every year, it's kind of like, okay, if we can just get these six defenders to stay healthy, we're going to be great, and then... Or yeah. even get hurt or or struggle or you know aren't very good and then it's like oh well oops and then you're playing guys off the street who aren't up to the task and then if anything I feel like they should trade down but I think you know to your point that's just not what Thomas Dimitrov seems to do or think. Yeah, I mean so that just is who his DNA is is that he's going to trade up. I mean you know I'm not saying they're going to go all the way up to two or something like that, but mm. you know I would I would be surprised if they don't. Um, if they don't make some sort of move up the board. If they move up to two, that would be crazy. Wouldn't that be insane? It'd be really fun, though. It would be fun. That's true. I want, like, I really want... I mean, Chase Young would be awesome there. Oh, sure. That's great. Chase Young and Grady Jarrett, sign me up. Yeah, but, like, what do you, like, they, what can, they already traded away their second-round pick. Like, they have to give up, how many first-round picks would they have to give up to make that happen? Julio Jones, I don't know. Ooh, I like that idea. You know, I, I would say we, signing. We know that you're all into the wacky trades. Yeah. We don't, we don't need to throw out your Cowboys trade scenario again. But wow, um, <laughs> that's sorry. a very a very logical trade for the Cowboys. I'm offended <laughs> that you would suggest otherwise. Um, it was I, I what that was so funny about that is that I had so many Cowboys fans angry at me, thinking I thought like you're like oh do you think Dak Prescott sucks? He's so good. I love Dak Prescott. I think the Cowboys should pay Dak Prescott a lot of money. But they haven't, and I don't yeah. know why. And it like it's not like his price is going to go down. He's not getting cheaper. He's getting more expensive. When Patrick Mahomes signs his contract, Dak Prescott's asking price is going up. And if the Cowboys don't want to pay the price that he is asking for now, they're not going to like it a year from now either. So if you're on that that sort of path and you're in that Kirk Cousins scenario where you're just Dak is sitting here saying, "Hey, two franchise tags, and I'm good. I can go with free agency after these TV deals." 
you might want to make a trade now. I'm not saying that. Yes, he's cool on living off his like yo. Yeah, he's like cool living off his yogurt endorsement money. Yeah, and like hosting, he can like host dinner parties for money. Like he's fine. <laughs> what a luxurious. We both we, bo- we both had some fun with uh, Cowboys fans this week. Yeah. Yes, Cowboys fans had a rough week. Um, all right, so 15, we have the Washington football team. Who do you have them taking? I had a really hard time here, and they they so need a quarterback. Yeah. Um, so I had, I'm had i having them stay with Haskins, okay. but I don't love it. I had a really, really, really t- hard time here. I put – or Terry McLaurin if available, but I already put the McLaurin off my board, yep. so he's not available. I mean, maybe Gardner Minshew Oof. I, over I would... Haskins? I mean, he played better last year. Yeah. But I think you still have to figure that Gardner Minshew is going to be available in the second or third round. Yeah. You know, and I think when, when teams are looking at quarterbacks, they're always looking at, like, what's their ceiling. And, yeah. you know, maybe Haskins' ceiling, his physical ceiling is higher. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Minshew as a player better right now, but – I don't know. I was. This is one that I had a really hard time with, which is why I, I stuck with Haskins, but kind mm-hmm. of like with a shrug emoji. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's how they approach their team sometimes. It's just shrug emoji. Um, I went back and forth. I went back and forth between Josh Jacobs here and uh, Debo Samuel or DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I went with Metcalf because I just figure, you know, Samuel was really good, but I kind of feel like they needed or he needed Kyle Shanahan to get the most out of him as a runner, um, which I think added significant value for him. And I don't know that Washington would be in position to get the most out of Debo Samuel uh, and his sort of unique skill set. Whereas DK Metcalf, like he's a big, strong receiver. Like he's easier to sort of, you know, game plan for than, or receiver game plan for an offense than Debo Samuel. And then just as good as Josh Jacobs was, like it's just positional value. Like I'd rather have a wide receiver than a running back. So um I think they need help on offense pretty much everywhere. It could have been a spot for, for Jenkins. It could have been a spot for um, TJ Hawkinson, who didn't have a great year but got hurt, and tight ends are so important. But I think Metcalf makes sense here, adding a you know a receiver to an offense that just needs help in so many different places. I, yeah, I like that. I, I don't hate that. So last pick, Carolina Panthers. Right, so- 18 looks very different now than they did a year ago. So I'm going to go – this is my one that I'm going, like, deepest into the draft okay. to make a pick here, a guy who moves up the most. Um, and I'm going to have them take Dre Greenlaw, the linebacker who's with the, with the 49ers, who I think was really, really good. He was on all the, the you know, the all-rookie teams and everything. He was a fifth-round pick, but he really became kind of this like, really huge, important piece of that Niners defense. And knowing what we know now about the Panthers' defense – and who they need and mm-hmm. what type of players they need. Um, you know, a linebacker would be a really, really smart move there. And yeah. I think he's I think he's a lot better than a fifth round pick. Yeah, the, the, sure. So I'm I'm having them that this is my my kind of my wild card going way off of what the draft the initial draft looked like. But I'm gonna have them take Drake Greenlaw mm-hmm. and be happy about it. I can say that makes sense. I they have needs everywhere in defense. So I, I could see linebacker making sense. I went safety I went Darnell Savage of the Packers. I think a guy who had a really impressive mm-hmm. rookie season. Injuries kind of slowed him down a little bit, but I think a guy who again stepped in and looked like he belonged on a, you know, a, a average NFL league average defense. I guess for most of the year. I don't want to talk about the Niners game 
uh, when it came to what that defense did, but that's, you know, a separate conversation. But, you know, they did cut Eric Reed. They do have needs in the secondary. I think Savage just gives them a playmaker and kind of a, you know, a leader, I think, in the secondary that they sort of didn't have last year. And hopefully uh, a guy who they can grow with. I think this is a team that, you know, kind of wants to build a defense that is up to their standards over the next two or three years. And I think if they don't have Brian Burns, who ended up going elsewhere in both of our drafts, having Savage is kind of like, you know, a, a, someone, a building block in the secondary, which I think is a good place to start. Yeah, maybe he can be there like Jamal Adams, you know, and become there. But yeah, exactly. Their new leader, like you said. So, yeah, no, I, I like that. And I think we're kind of on the same page as, as, as they, they are completely changing their identity on defense. Yes, you know, for sure. Luke Keekly, the post Luke Keekly era. So, um, yeah, they, they need some really young, good defensive players with big personality. So, um, well, I'm okay with that. The other position I thought there was offensive tackle, mm-hmm. maybe Andre Dillard, I guess. You know, yeah. I, I don't really understand their moves that they've made there this the offseason. Yeah. Yeah, trading away Trey Turner, I didn't really get that. But um, mm-hmm. so I could say them, you know, maybe in a redraft situation that they would have taken a taken an offensive tackle there. You know, it feels like a good place at 16 to do that. Yeah. But that you know, I think de- I think defense is the right is the way to go. Well, so talking about the Panthers and we're finishing up. I mean, do you have any brief thoughts about the Christian McCaffrey uh, signing? Yeah, I mean, generally, I you know I hate that you know sign a sign a running back you know two years before you have to. Yes, but. Like they had to pay somebody, right? I mean, they have to kind of send that message to the rest of the roster, to their fan base. The sixteen million is a lot, but he is a really special and unique player. And I don't think we can look at Christian McCaffrey strictly through a running back lens, and that's why he got the money that he's getting. Um, he's only twenty three, which is like bonkers. I mean, and I guess you know, I guess you know. I'm trying to remember not exactly how old Todd Gurley was when he got his extension two years ago, but, you know, we had to do a, when, when the all decades, all 2010s team came out last week, we mm-hmm. were doing a round table and discussing, you know, like, let's look forward, like who's outside of, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes pick somebody to make the all 2020 team. And I, I went with Christian McCaffrey, even though I think it's extremely risky to pick a running back for mm-hmm. something like that. But based on the fact that he's only 23 years old right now, and, yeah. you know, even if he's only has, you know, if it doesn't have a super long career because he's a running back, mm-hmm. even if he has, you know, five or six good more years, he's still in his 20s. But I mean, good for Christian McCaffrey uh, to get, you know, to get that sort of money this early. You know, he's mm-hmm. going to be able to get another big deal probably, you know, <laughs> by the time he's 26 or 27. Yeah. Um, you know, it's risky. History shows that it's not going to pay off. But, you know, at some point I think they had to pay somebody and he's the right guy to pay based on who they have left. Yeah, you know, I, I think I, I'm pretty analytics friendly. I think I'm someone who, you know, is, is opposed to paying running backs. And, and I think in the long run, the chances are they're going to regret paying him this much money when they did. But I mean, the thing I would say is like, number one, like, how, how like, what, what could you ask of him that he didn't do? Like, like, I think the, the issue is once you pick him in the first round, if he fails, then you've screwed up. And if he succeeds, then you're stuck paying him. Like, you don't have a choice. Like, you yeah. know, I, I don't think they could credibly go into that locker room and say, Hey, like you were, you know, basically the entire offense last year. And by the way, we can't pay you because running backs don't age well. Like you kind of made that bed. You have to lay in it. And then on top of that, you know, I don't think this should be the biggest thing, but just if you're David Tepper and you're taking over this football team and you're looking at who the most popular players in your 
organization are. Look at you know who 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 whose jerseys are the fans wearing in the crowd? It's Cam Newton who you just cut, Luke Keekley who just retired, and Christian McCaffrey who you're not going to pay. Like you know I I I just. I, I, the big picture argument makes sense, and I don't think Christian McCaffrey is going to be an exception. But I think once you got to this point, you don't have a choice. You're stuck. Like you have to pay the guy because yeah. at the end of the day, like like you created a scenario where if he was going to play well, you have to reward him, and they did, and they paid him top of the market money because he's been the best running back in football the past two years. So I yeah, could you have a, right, uh, and uh, and can you have afforded to you were going to pay him at some point, and isn't it better to just pay him now rather than go through you know let him hold out right. This off season, whether if there is an off season, or have a very messy potentially holdout next year. Right, exactly. So it's just you know, it, you can the big picture makes sense, and I don't think you can say McCaffrey. McCaffrey is is definitely more of a receiver than any back we've seen, you know, sign a contract in recent years. But it's just not there's not an alternative at this point. I think I think once you once you pick him in the top ten, you're stuck. Uh, so we will see. And that's why you don't draft running backs in the top ten. Yes, exactly. Why well, you don't take Josh Jacobs with the fourth overall pick. Which I feel fairly confident that nobody's going to take a running back in the top ten this year. Uh, Dave Gettleman has a top ten pick. And <laughs> I, you can never rule it out. <laughs> you know I think I I one? Hopefully Abby will o- overrule him. <laughs> I love that idea. Abby the Golden Retriever would never draft a running back in the first round. Do you, uh, Abby could be a better GM than Dave Gettleman. It's not out of the question. But that is another conversation for another day. Lindsay Jones, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Where can people check out more of the work you do? Uh, over at theathletic.com. We've got a three-month free trial going on right now. So come on over, read all of our stuff. Jane Brugler's draft guide is insane and awesome. So read it and make yourself so, sound smart during your Zoom <laughs> draft party next week. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Bill. All right. Thanks so much to my guest today, the Athletics' Lindsay Jones. Always a pleasure to have Lindsay on. And we're going to come back next week, another podcast for you, probably a pre-draft show uh, if I'm planning things right now. But still a lot of draft stuff to get to and more NFL content to come in the weeks ahead. So hope everyone's staying healthy, staying safe out there. Hopefully we can kind of distract you for a little bit with some NFL talk. But more of that coming Next week. Thanks so much for listening.